Yale Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quadcast, a Yale Divinity School podcast series focusing on issues related to religion, culture, and politics. In this episode about the Gospel of Mark, Emily Judd interviews Reverend Dr. Alan Hilton, a Yale alum and former Yale Divinity School professor of the New Testament. Dr. Hilton discusses why the author of Mark portrayed Jesus' disciples as lacking faith and understanding. He wanted his audience to know these weren't guys who walked 10 feet off the ground. These were, these were people like us. He also weighs in on why an additional ending was added to the Gospel of Mark. We know that an ending accrued that fit it more fully with the other three Gospels. And Dr. Hilton talks about the unique literary style of Mark as compared to the other Gospels, Matthew, Luke, and John. It's almost like a a child breathlessly telling a story from what just happened on the playground. So I'm very excited to speak about the Gospel of Mark, which is my favorite gospel, and to know your insights on this particular gospel. Who was the author of the Gospel of Mark? What is known about him? So every... Every bit of gospel authorship has some fun mystery around it um, because we get these without an autograph. We get these without uh, a person who has signed on for it. Uh, We get it in copies that were made over time rather than its original, right? And so, so it's a little bit of sleuthing that goes on to get to it. The the fortuitous thing with Mark is that we have a tradition from the early second century from a, an early Christian called Papias who uh, tried to describe how each of the Gospels came, but his description of how Mark came about is that Mark listened to Peter, the Apostle Peter, and heard his stories, but then put them in an order that was different than Peter's order, right? Which is a, a interesting way to, to pass it on, but but as an interpreter of Mark, that ends, up, um, that ends up sort of valuable because then we start to look for why he as- arranged things the way he did, right? And when did Mark write this gospel? And where was it written? Do we have anything about that? The best guesses, or at least the ones that have the most, uh, most adherence in the, in the scholarly world, have Mark just short of 70 CE uh, because the temple, of course, comes down in 70. And there are references to the possibility of the temple coming down, but they aren't as vivid as in Matthew, for instance. So the Roman destruction of the temple has not yet really occurred. And that's what, in the way that Mark's talking about the temple, that's what we can infer? Yeah, that's that's the and again, it's it's all sort of approximation, but that's what le- has led scholars to place it in that cavity just or in that pocket just leading up to seventy, because as you mentioned, the Romans destroyed the temple during uh, during the year seventy and uh, during an uprising, and and so uh, that's a big dating point for both rabbinic Judaism and for early Christianity. And do we have any idea where Mark was? Was Mark in Jerusalem? The answer is no. We don't know. But um, what is usually tried on, uh, uh, a lot of tradition has Mark writing from Rome because Peter's associated with Rome. Uh, Tradition has Peter dying under Nero in Rome as a martyr. And so a lot of folks picture 
the time of Mark's gathering of information is that as those years leading up to uh, to Peter's martyrdom in the 60s. Now, in the gospel, Mark relays stories of Jesus almost trying to hide his divine identity. One scholar, William Rada, coined the term messianic secret for the hypothesis that Mark shows that Jesus wanted to hide his divine identity. What do you think was Mark's motivation in using the messianic secret in his gospel? Rada, Wilhelm Rada, said um, that it's because uh, by the time Mark wrote, people were puzzled by how few Jews from Palestine had embraced the gospel. And so in order to explain that, in order to give a reason why that was happening, they said, well, Jesus went low key when he was in, in Palestine. He, he kind of tried to keep under the radar. And so, of course, not many people knew about him, right? Um, there other, I, I, that has not been the uh, sort of preferred interpretation over the years, but it, it's where he started us. Um, others, and I think more literary readers along the way, have tended to say, well, this is, this is Jesus's attempt to get to Jerusalem and finish his course, finish his mission uh, without being detected early. The apostles, the male apostles of Jesus, they are portrayed as dense, a bit in Mark's gospel as unbelieving. They're not really understanding Jesus's divine identity. Um, while Mark portrays female followers in a positive light in his gospel, championing their discipleship. What are your thoughts on the contrast between these two depictions, especially when it comes to gender? Yeah, so there is some of that uh, odd, odd use of the phrase gender imbalance, right? Um, but it, there is some of that. The, the disciples do come out looking like very dopey, right? Very, um, very fearful, very kind of stupid. And so the gender question is in the midst of this. There's one place where women fail in, in Mark. At the, at the empty tomb, rather than doing what the guy at the tomb says, they go away afraid and tell no one, right? Other than that, women uh, are largely presented in very positive terms. That may be because of the composite uh, group in Rome that I was talking about earlier. If, if there are a lot of women in leadership in Rome, uh, and maybe even especially if this is after Peter's demise under Nero, right? And there's a rise of, of women leaders uh, after that, right? Um, it may be that there's just a, it's a feature of Mark to try to hold that up, given all the possible things that Mark could have collected. He may have collected stories that sort of didn't bear particularly heroically on the, on the disciples because he wanted his audience to know these weren't guys who walked 10 feet off the ground. These were, these were people like us. In fact, they got scared and look what the resurrection did to them. They went on to, to martyrdom like Peter. They went on to do amazing things. In speaking about the resurrection and the ending of Mark. Yeah. The Gospel of Mark has two endings. Right. In the Bible, if you if you go look in the Bible, it, it it will say that. I mean, I think in almost every Bible it will it will show you the longer ending. So there's the original ending and then there's a longer version that was believed to be added on by someone other than Mark. 
Who likely added it and why? Um, so 16.8 is now the sort of uh, widely, widely affirmed ending of Mark's gospel. For a long time, people thought he lost the last page, right? And and what what we now imagine happened is that, of course, these, as I mentioned earlier, these, these documents uh, were copied because there was no way to get them out electronically, right? <laughs> um, so they were copied and, and, and copied for the sake of new churches or other churches. And so picture that at the, at the same time as there are a whole lot of traditions that we don't even have in, in our Gospels about the resurrection, surely floating around. Paul has one in 1 Corinthians, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 15 where he tells that so-and-so was first, and then so-and-so was second, and on through, and then more than 500 people Jesus appears to. Well, that's not, that's not in any of the, the synoptic Gospels or in, in John, right? So, so that's another tradition about the resurrection and how it played out. Well, surely there were a bunch of them around. The, the sh- longer endings of Mark, may have come from that stock, right? May have come from live traditions about the resurrection that Mark chose not to include, but one of the copyists down the road said, well, this belongs here, right? And and so we don't know exactly who, we don't know exactly when, but we know that an ending accrued that fit it more fully with the other three gospels. What is distinctive about Mark's literary style compared to the other gospel writers. Yeah, so he's got the least amount of Jesus words, right? He 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 is an action-based editor and author, right? He he takes the stories in which Jesus does things and he puts them together in rapid succession and it's almost like a a child breathlessly telling a story from what just happened on the playground, right? Um and, and that's not to infantilize Mark, it's to say it's, it's this sort of urgency and, and uh, quickness of narrative that doesn't stop and spend three hours, or, you know, three hours, three, three chapters on a Sermon on the Mount. It doesn't stop and do the Sermon on the Plain. It doesn't stop for a, a long, uh, long upper room discourse as John does, right? It, it, Jesus doesn't talk as much in Mark. That's distinctive. I tend to agree. There's a lot of action, like you said, less talking and more action. Yeah. And that's something that uh, is compelling to me that draws me to, to Mark. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Hilton, for joining us today. I think this was a very interesting, insightful discussion about my favorite gospel, the gospel of Mark. Well, thank you. It's been fun to talk to you, Emily. And, and it is a fabulous gospel. So uh, moral of the story is everybody go read. Go read yes. more. <laughs>